welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. And joining me is my good friend and colleague, our Brooklyn uh, branch director and New York Regional Director, Bobby Walter. Welcome, Bobby. Yes, thank you, Mitch. And shalom, everyone, and welcome to The Chosen People. And Mitch, you're right. Today, we're going to see in particular how the gospel is revealed in the Old Testament and ultimately points to Jesus. Hmm. And then as we journey through the texts, we're going to zoom in on particular passages or, or characters and point out prophetic passages and how they apply to Israel today. Last but certainly not least, we'll explain what some of these passages mean in the original Hebrew. Well, that sounds great, Bobby. And it's our hope, friends, that this program will not only enrich your walk with the Lord, but equip you to share the gospel with Jewish people wherever you are and with all people. I just want to reiterate the Chosen People Ministry's mission statement because I think it's of great value at this moment. So Chosen People exists to pray for, evangelize, disciple, and serve the Jewish people and to help others do the same. So one of our roles in this wonderful world of God's work and kingdom work is to encourage and resource Christians of all stripes and types. And we know that you folks are coming from all sorts of different kinds of churches and theological streams, and we're so glad that we have that diversity. And I want you to know that we care about training you and equipping you, not only to be enriched in your own faith, but to be better able to share the gospel with both Jews and Gentiles. And so, Bobby, I think it's time to get started. So a lot of times we skip over these difficult parts of the Old Testament, particularly the five books, well, four of them at least, beyond Genesis, we like reading Genesis, until we get to the genealogies, then it, then it gets heavy, you know? And even though it can seem a little dry and insensitive to our modern culture and uh, maybe a little unappealing, and it talks a lot about sacrifices, which, you know, we don't like the idea. I, I mean, I, I like my dog, Bobby likes his dog. <laughs> Sacrificing animals is not like the most pleasant thing to think about, and that's exactly the point. God initiated the sacrificial system because it would be bloody and it would be repulsive, just like our sin. Mm. And so it really, really does a great job in presenting that image of sin as something that is ugly and bloody and something for which we need a deep forgiveness. But one of the things I love about the book of Leviticus, and if I could summarize the whole book. I think it could be actually summarized in one word. You know what that word is, Bobby? Um, the, honestly, the word that comes to my mind is uh, holiness. Ah, I knew you'd get it. Okay. <laughs> That's it. I mean, if you didn't know the book of Leviticus, you wouldn't know anything about holiness. Right. And so this is a book that teaches us what holiness is all about. And we learn about God's holiness, and we learn about the holiness that God calls us to as well. And so we're going to discuss a little bit about the offerings in just a moment. But first, in chapter 1, we're going to dig in a little bit where it says, Then the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. So what is the tent of meeting, yeah, Bobby? Yeah. So the, the Hebrew uh, for tent of meeting is the Mishkan. 
mishkan, and it, it comes from the word shechan, which implies heaviness or holiness or the presence of God. And the tent of meeting was that special tabernacle that God gave the instructions to Moses on how to build, how to construct. And what's interesting when we, you know, peek back into Exodus, God actually brought Moses to the top of the mountain, and He gave Moses a glimpse of the heavenly tabernacle, the heavenly、mm. reality, the heavenly dwelling place of God. And in Hebrews eight, we actually see a reference to this as well. So. God gave the instructions to Moses for the Israelites as they were living in their own tents, wandering in the wilderness after being set free from slavery in Egypt. God gave the instructions for His tabernacle so that His presence could touch down from heaven onto earth and dwell in the midst of His people. Yeah, actually, part of that root for Mishkan Shachan is is to dwell, is to dwell、right. also, and、uh, I think it's interesting that God would. Dwell or make his presence known, because he's God is everywhere all at the same time. But in, sometimes he would reveal himself in a magnificent and special way、uh, at moments to certain individuals and in certain places. The tent of meeting was one of those places, and Moses was one of those people, and nobody else was really allowed in.、Mm -hmm. And、uh, when Moses came out, his face was glowing. It's almost like the the holiness of God was catching, and、uh, everybody knew where he had been. And he couldn't hide it. Not that he necessarily wanted to. And so the tent of meeting was a tent, right? And it was in the wilderness. And the interesting thing is, every place where God dwelled in the Old Testament, whether it be on Mount Sinai, whether it be over the cleft of a rock as he hid Moses with his hand, or if it was the Mishkan, the tabernacle, or the temple, wherever God dwelt was always an impermanent dwelling. It was always a tent, because his ultimate dwelling place, aside from heaven, is on earth. And if you skip all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, you will see that the day is coming when the entire earth, in a sense, would be God's tent. Right. And He will redeem it, lift the curse, and dwell. And we will sense His presence here on earth forever. And so, the tent of meeting is a reminder that God can show up. And can manifest his presence in glory and power whenever, wherever, and to whomever he wants. But his ultimate goal is to fill the earth with his presence. So, Mitch, one other really interesting and important thing about the tabernacle is that there were barriers to God's presence laid out in the tabernacle. Not just anybody could waltz in there and be in God's presence. There was this built-in picture for us that showed our need for. Redemption, our need to be cleansed,、uh, because you know Leviticus is about holiness. It's about the holiness of God, but it shows our need for holiness and how we fall short. And the vehicle that God provided for us to teach us and show us, like tangibly, how we can be cleansed, how it is possible for us to enter into God's presence, it's through the shedding of innocent blood. And when we continue to read Leviticus, we see these sacrifices. And there are a number of them that are laid out in the first five, six chapters of Leviticus, and each one of them is relational. Each one of them has this sense to it that lets us know that God desires relationship with us, that God desires to make the path for us to be cleansed, so that we can be in His presence. 
So we have burnt offerings, which were not eaten, but just completely burned up in offering to the Lord. We see that in Leviticus 1. In Leviticus 2, we see grain offerings, which were the first fruits of the harvest, similar to a tithe. They were not to be burnt on the altar, although they specifically could not include leaven and had to be seasoned with salt. Uh, and these grain offerings had a prominent role during the harvest holidays of first fruits, Pentecost, and tabernacles. Later on in Leviticus 3, we see peace offerings. And again, these were very relational offerings. These were offerings of food that would be given to the Lord, implying that the one who was making the offering was sharing a meal with God. Uh, then in Leviticus 4 and 5, we get into some of the heavy stuff. We get into sin offerings and guilt offerings. And these were sacrifices that would be offered either for intentional sins or unintentional sins, or even sins that you just committed in ignorance. But all of them, again, were intended to repair the broken relationship with God. Thanks, Bobby. That was a great summary of the sacrifices. Now, each week, we also read a Haftorah portion. That's not half a Torah. The Haftorah refers to something in the writings, the prophets. And so, in Isaiah 43, 21 through Isaiah 44, 23, we have the Haftorah portion for this Torah portion. So, Isaiah is not the kind of person you would think of as having a sense of humor, you know? And he's not the person you're really looking to invite over for dinner. And, uh, you know, he might tell you to repent before you eat dessert. And in chapter 43 and 44, God, through Isaiah, rebukes the Jewish people for abandoning true worship and reminds them if they repent, then they will be forgiven. God also addresses the issue of idols and how Israelites were prone to worship idols. And so sacrifices are not to be used for idolatry ever. They, were, again, were designed to sustain or renew our relationship with God. And only God can redeem his people and wipe away their transgressions. And uh, he prescribed the right kind of sacrifices. And uh, he wants to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. And that's one of the major themes of Leviticus. And it runs all the way through the rest of the Bible. And Isaiah really camps on this that we have to worship God in truth. That's right, Mitch. And I've really enjoyed our study so far, going through, again, the portion or the parsha, being in tune with the wider Jewish world and what they're reading in the scriptures at the same time. Now, what's unique, though, about us in our ministry and in most Messianic congregations around the world, not only do we read the Torah from the first five books of Moses, and not only do we read the Haftarah from the prophets or writings, but we also add in a portion that that is compatible with those passages from the New Testament. And this week, the portion is from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. And one of the most powerful passages in this Hebrews 10 section is in verse 10. It says, By this we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, once for all. The Hebrew word for offering emphasizes this point as well. It's korban, and it's derived from the word karov, which means near or to draw near. And it's through the sacrifices that we draw near to God. In James 4.8, James tells us to draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. And that's a great promise. And so when you feel far away from God, just take one step forward. Expect the Lord to meet you. 
So when we take those baby steps, uh, we'll see that God, in turn, will make his face shine upon us and draw close to us. Now, I think the whole issue of sacrifice is also picked up by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12. And a lot of us know Romans 12, 1 through 2, where we're to see ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, and that is our reasonable service of worship. And it's interesting, that word, a reasonable service of worship, is really the Greek word where we get the English word for liturgy. So our worship is to respond to sacrifices by being sacrifices, <laughs> and then to give ourselves wholly to God and to his purposes, and then God will renew and strengthen our minds. And so we lay our lives down as living sacrifices, as thanksgiving offerings for what the Lord has done for us through sending Jesus to the cross to die for us, to shed his blood for us as a sacrifice that would be completely consumed on the altar, like, like a guilt offering. And so because Jesus' sacrifice does so much for us, we're willing to give our lives in sacrificial service for the Lord. And so as Jesus said, of course, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And so my prayer for all those who are listening today is to maybe gain a, a new appreciation for the sacrifice of Jesus as the quintessential ultimate fulfillment of the whole sacrificial system. We were taught that blood leads to forgiveness, but make no mistake about it, it was never the blood of bulls and goats, as the book of Hebrews tells us. It was the blood of the perfect, innocent, holy sacrifice of our Lord and Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. And when we appreciate his sacrifice for us, then we can live our lives in sacrificial service for him. And I hope that will be your effort and your prayer this week for the Lord. Do you know what makes a great conversation starter about following Jesus? Do you know how to share Jesus in a Jewish way? Well, as we approach Hanukkah and the Christmas season, you might find yourself looking for ways to share the greatest gift of all time with your Jewish friends and family. So reach out today and ask for your free copy of Douglas Pyle's book, Sharing Jesus in a Jewish Way. It's free right now when you go online to chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. Or request Douglas Pyle's book, Sharing Jesus in a Jewish Way, by calling 888-2-YESHUA. That number again is 888-293-7482. This book is a great way to learn all about the Messianic prophecies that point to Jesus, as well as providing sound answers to any objections they might raise. So please ask for it today. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Shalom, dear friends. This is Mitch Glazer again from Chosen People Ministries. I want to tell you about a new program that we have for outreach that every Christian can be involved in. If you love the Jewish people, then you're going to love this program because it's going to give you the opportunity to share directly with Jewish people who will be staying in your home. That's right. You will be the host because we have started a program called HostIsraelis.com. There's a cultural phenomenon in Israel. Young people go into the army and get out 
when they're usually about 22, sometimes a little younger, sometimes a little older. And after they get out of the army, they travel. And they love traveling to very different places all over the globe, from Latin America to Asia to North America. And so we started HostIsraelis.com. That's a website where you can go and find out more about how to host Israelis in your home. And it's wonderful because we have training. uh, We have opportunities for you to list your home. And I'm sure you'll find a lot of information available so that you can host an Israeli traveling through the United States and show them the love of Jesus uh, through the way you speak with them, through your hospitality. Uh, You might even feed them once in a while or help them see the sights around your home. You're going to have a wonderful opportunity to love on these Israeli young people through HostIsraelis.com. The Hebrew word means dwelling place. It was where God dwelled with his people, and its elements show us how to relate with God. After delivering the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, God gave them detailed instructions on how to build this dwelling. Once constructed, the Lord descended on the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud. Curtains separated the whole tabernacle from the rest of the Israelite encampment. In this courtyard was the tabernacle's largest piece of furniture, the altar. A wooden box covered with bronze. The altar was shaped as a square, measuring approximately seven and a half feet long and seven and a half feet wide. From top to bottom, it stood about four and a half feet. Hollow space inside the box allowed priests to insert coals. Above was a bronze grating where priests would lay animals for sacrifice. A horn of one piece with the altar stood at each corner. Four bronze rings under the ledge allowed one to insert carrying poles so the Israelites could transport the altar. Between the altar and the tent of meeting was a bronze laver. Priests had to cleanse their hands and feet here before offering sacrifices or entering the tent. Within the inner tent stood one of the most recognized elements of the whole tabernacle the menorah, a lampstand with three branches that rose on each side to create a total of seven lamps. This solid gold lampstand weighed about 75 pounds. Each lamp was a small cup that the priest would fill with oil to fuel the light. Each branch in the middle of the shaft had almond blossoms. The menorah served a most practical purpose. It was the only source of light in the tent, an eternal light that was never to go out. Also in the tent stood a wooden table covered with gold. On it was to always remain the bread of the presence. The bread of the presence symbolizes God's desire to be with his people. Incense was to burn continuously on the altar. God instructed the priests to replenish the incense every evening and morning. A curtain separated the holy place from the holy of holies. 
The menorah, the altar of incense, and the bread of the presence were all in the holy place, but outside this veil. Like the curtains covering the tent of meeting, this veil was blue, purple, and scarlet, with cherubim, a kind of angel. Beyond the veil, at the far end of the tabernacle, was the ark. The ark was a wooden box covered with gold. It was nearly four feet long. Its width and height were about two feet, three inches. Like the altar, the ark had rings and poles so the Israelites could carry it as they traveled. Within the ark were the two stone tablets on which God had written the Ten Commandments. Later, it contained a sample of manna and the rod that bloomed to reinforce Aaron's leadership. The mercy seat was the ark's lid and features prominently on Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. At each end stood a cherub facing the other with its wings outspread. This cover was made of solid gold. The priest would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on this mercy seat, symbolizing that the nation's sins were covered for another year. While only the high priest would see it, the mercy seat was the key symbol of atonement that God would forgive his people. Though daily sacrifices on the altar were necessary for payment of sin, it was only through the mercy seat on the Day of Atonement that the stain of sin was washed away. While priests had to make repeated sacrifices, one man offered a sacrifice to atone for sin once and for all. When Jesus, the Messiah, died, he sprinkled his own blood before God, securing atonement forever for all who would trust in him. Jesus cleanses us, makes us pure, and enables us to rightly approach the Lord. He tore the veil that kept distance between Israel and the Lord. God dwelled among the Israelites through a tent. Now, he dwells within his people through the Spirit. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. There is a growing movement of the Holy Spirit among second-generation young adults, and we have a great ministry to these folks. There are hundreds of them. There's a beautiful commercial center, two and a half times the size of what we have now that'll seat over 150 people. We have space for children's work. We have space for a cafe. And so pray over the center. We'd love to have you come on a chosen people trip. But I know that you'll want to be involved in one way or another to help the gospel go out in power to Israel. To learn more about this new exciting project, visit chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. That's chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. Partner with us to bring the love of Yeshua to Israel today. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. To learn more about this weekly program or how you can connect with us today, visit us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. And when you reach out, we'll send you a booklet titled Sharing Jesus in a Jewish Way. This easy-to-understand guide is an indispensable tool for helping you navigate all the messianic prophecies that point to Jesus. And it'll help you share Jesus in a way that will break the ice with your Jewish friends and family. 
So request your free copy today. It's available online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Or you can ask for the booklet when you call us at 888-2-YESHUA. That number again is 888-293-7482. And now let's wrap up today's program with the Aaronic Benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.